these uh, senior recognition days are always big days around here for us. And I got to speak to the seniors first service for just a few moments and, and express some of my thoughts toward them and, uh, and to the parents as well. Being a parent, recognizing the dynamics and the emotions going on there. Every single, every single year at this time, it's a special time. This one to the church is, is a little bit unusual and um, maybe even more special because the church is 18 plus years old now. And so these seniors, some of them, they were born here. In fact, the very first service we ever had, uh, Zach, who's leading vocals right now, he was there. He is this little, tiny, probably month-old child. He was there. And, and Hope, who is running tech up in the loft up there, uh, she was born right about that time. And so some of these seniors, they have experienced their entire life right here at FCC. And then to see, and I, I mentioned two by name, but there are others as well, but to see the goodness of God in their lives and to see us blessed by them. Here they are, they're 18 years old, and they're touching a church and touching the kingdom and touching our lives. And God is good, isn't he? God is very, very good. Let me switch gears. I, I noticed, happened to notice, that of the top 10 box office movies this past week, three of them were about superpowers and superheroes. And one of them, Batman versus Superman, is already one of the biggest box office hits of 2016 and will remain that. And it's not unusual to have these superpower, superhero movies come along and for them to do very, very well. There's always some kind of theme that there's this great dilemma, great problem, great issue at stake, and, and it, mere human beings aren't enough to resolve it. You have to have someone, some people, at least one, with supernatural power, with superpowers to be a superhero. And, and there's uh, usually action-packed in it and, and highly interesting, and it draws you in. And, and there's another piece, I think, that makes them successful as well. And I may be standing alone on this one, but I think if you're honest, you might stand with me. How many of you have, at least once in your life, been to one of those movies and just momentarily put yourself in the shoes of the superhero? Superpower. Come on, I'm not the only one, Right. At least one movie, at least for a few moments, I just pictured I'm him. Now, I'm the one, or you're her. You're, you're, you're Supergirl. You're the one. Hey, think about it. Uh, who wouldn't want to have Superman's powers? How does it go faster than a speeding bullet? Help me out here. More powerful than a locomotive can leap. I'm showing my age. Do, do, do they not say this about Superman anymore? Let me, let me teach you, okay? Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, can leap tall buildings with a single bound, okay? That's what they say. Who wouldn't want that? Who would not want those things? But even in that moment when I put myself in those shoes, I realized this is just pretend. And it's just not pretend that I would be him. Those powers are just pretend. They don't exist. Superpowers, superheroes don't exist. And yet I'm about to tell you, the entire rest of this message are about the reality that in this room, there are a number of people that the God of the universe has given supernatural power to. And not just a few, but a whole lot of them in this room. The God of the universe has given supernatural power to. I want to bring us up to speed. We're in the middle of this series called The Gift. So I'll catch us up. We've said, Scripture's clear. There's one God. There's only one God but he's a God that is one in three persons. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In some mysterious way that we cannot wrap our brains around one God, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, which this whole series is about, is not an energy. He's not a force. 
He is a person. Just as God the Father is a person, God the Son is a person, God the Holy Spirit is a person as well. So it's not, uh, he is not an it. Uh, he, is, he is a he. He's referred to in Scripture as a he. And the Holy Spirit has the fullness of the characteristics of God in him. All power, all knowledge, all wisdom, all love, all grace, all holiness, all is wrapped up in him. And then Jesus says, he's the gift. Because Jesus says when any person begins a life of following Jesus, then the Holy Spirit takes up residence in that person's life. And I think what the scriptures are saying is, is that there becomes such an intimacy of relationship between God, the Holy Spirit, and that person that the best way God can can talk about is to say, he will begin to live in you. He is that close to you. He's living within you. And then two weeks ago, we talked about one of the impacts of that is he guides. He gives this guidance out of his storehouse of infinite knowledge and infinite wisdom. He guides. And today we'll talk about this thing called spiritual gifts. If you have a Bible, you might want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll read verses 7 to 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. If you picked up a Bible coming in, as many of you did, it's on page 877 coming in. Verse 7 begins, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. And he's writing, by the way, to Christ followers. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the power to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The first line was, a spiritual gift is given to each person, each one of you, so we can help each other. Let me give you a definition of a spiritual gift. This is going to help out. This is crucial to understand this. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability that God infuses with his power. A spiritual gift is a God-given ability that God then infuses with his power. The first half of that, it's a God-given ability. In this passage, he mentions just a few of them. He mentions wisdom and knowledge and miracles and so forth. Down toward the end of the chapter, he adds in leadership as one of those gifts and teaching as one of those gifts. If you look at the full breadth of Scripture, you'll see this wide variety of abilities that God sometimes then makes a spiritual gift. I'll give you just a sampling from Scripture. You don't need to write these down. Just take in the breadth of this. Take in how wide this net is of abilities. You'll find in Scripture the spiritual gift of administration, of architecture, of the arts, of boat making, of carpentry, debating, discernment, even embroidering, encouragement, farming, fishing. By the way, there are a bunch of folks first service that love that one. And I had to pause. They loved it so much. I had to pause and say, it might be a spiritual gift and it may just be your hobby. Okay. It might be one or the other, but it can be a spiritual gift. Giving, hospitality, leadership, mechanical skills, music. I got none of the music, none of the mechanical, none of that. Teaching, wisdom. You could go on and on. Almost any ability that could be used to honor God can be a spiritual gift. It can be. But here's the deal. 
Those are God-given abilities. The deal is this. It has to be something that God then infuses with his power. If he gives you a spiritual gift, then you have this God-given ability that God then does infuse with his power. The effect is when you use that, that ability, the results will be far beyond what you could ever do on your own skills. Hey, the results will far exceed what would come just from your level of ability. Does that make sense? Okay, so God infuses it with his power. I'll give you an illustration. There's a, a couple that's been around here for a long time now. They have this spiritual gift of hospitality. And while they're doing other things with their gifts right now, there were several years, I guess, that um, they would invite 10, 12, 14 people to come to their house for a dinner one night. At that dinner that night, they would give this vision, and they would say, here's what we'd like to do. We'd like to come together every single week, once a week, come to our house, have dinner, and we'll have conversations about Jesus and so on and so on. And their passion was that there would be so much... um, rich hospitality and so much of a sense of the beauty and power of spiritual community that these people, many of them who had never been in a small group before, that they would fall so in love with spiritual community and fall so in love with Jesus that they would never go without it. And so at that very first dinner, they would say, here's the vision. Come back every week. We'll cook a meal. We'll have this. And, but the very first night, they said, but here's the deal. At month eight or nine, we kick you out. You, you, you're kicked out. And the hope is that you'll fall so in love with Jesus and this thing called community that you'll continue, but not here. <laughs> not with our cooking, not at our house, that you'll do it. And so they did that with, I've lost track of how many groups, and almost every single person this day is now still in spiritual community. Many of them, they just moved to another house and just kept right on going. Many have gone to different groups now. But, but in that setting, and this is far beyond just the human gift of hospitality in that setting, many came to know and trust Jesus. Many came to follow Jesus with increased abandon. And almost everyone fell in love with this thing called spiritual community. That's what distinguishes between just an ability that God gives, an ability that God, versus an ability that God gives, that then God infuses with his power. The results are completely different. So the Holy Spirit gives every Christ follower at least one spiritual gift, and the Holy Spirit determines which gift he gives you. You don't get to pick. My, my yearning for about two decades was a gift of music, and I asked God for it for a long time, and there was even a, a season when I was leading a small group, and I thought, well, trial and error, I'll try it out. And so I brought a guitar, and I said, we'll do worship. And after about four to six or seven or eight weeks, I just asked a friend, well, do you think it's a spiritual gift? And they said, lose the guitar. Let someone else lead. No, it's not a spiritual gift then. He chooses, the Holy Spirit chooses which one or which ones each of us gives, gets. And, and the reason he gives it, 1 Corinthians says, it's, it's for the benefit of one another so we can help one another. And it certainly is so we could help one another within the church. But in the bigger spectrum of Scripture, it's to help one another in, the, in this planet. It's to help the people on this planet. That's why we're given these things. And, and here's the deal. Don't miss this. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul writes, he says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Every person in this room, long before you were born, God already mapped out the, the good things, the good works 
he had planned for you to do. And most of them will entail you discovering and using your spiritual gift or gifts. Most of them will. Because God's plan is to do something so big, so substantial, that on your own ability, it just wouldn't happen. God mapped out a plan for you to make a difference on this planet. There would be at such a level, you would have to have supernatural help. You have to have supernatural power. Every single one in this room. I sat down with Sarah Vanderweel, who's the one leading worship for us this morning. She's our worship leader of student ministry, but she often leads us here on Sundays as well. And it's evident to probably all of us, she has this great spiritual gift of worship leading. And so I sat down with her two or three occasions and just began to ask her about how she discovered this gift and how she's developed it. And she was kind enough to let those conversations end up in a video that you're about to see. I want you to look for two things in the video. Look for how she discovered this gift, okay, how she discovered it, and look for how she's used this gift, how she discovered it and how she's used it. Take a look at this. Well, I started singing at a really young age. Um, I remember I'd run around my parents' house from, and just sing to them all the time. But when I got into about junior high and high school, I noticed that there was a difference in how I sang that there was maybe even a skill there and from others really affirming that in me. Around ninth grade, my youth pastor at the time asked me, he was like, I know you sing, um, but why aren't you serving in this area? Why aren't you using your gifts for God's glory? And I told him I really hate being in front of people. It makes me nervous. He really was persistent and I finally was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try that, I'll try that out. So I ended up joining the worship team. I can very specifically remember my first time uh, being on stage. I stood there and I stared at people as I continued to be in front of people. And really, I think the biggest difference was focusing on the fact that who I was singing to, um, not who I was singing in front of. When I got into 10th grade, um, I started to actually lead worship. And the Lord grew me in so many ways to see how he could use me. Um, he worked in a way that it wasn't by what I could do, um, but it was him working. So as I continued to lean more into him, um, he continued to lead more through me. Um, definitely had to work on some of my skill. Like it wasn't all just suddenly like I had this um, gifting and I didn't have to work at it. Continued to work on my voice, really stretching my range. Um, I continued to work on my guitar skills. Um, I had to work on my leadership skills with my team. At this point now, I, I really feel like I am where the Lord has called me to be. He's continued to grow me to see that because of who he is, it's, it's a privilege to be able to serve him with the gifts I've been given. Because of the grace he's given me, like, I can't imagine using my gifts in any other way. That there's such a power when I'm using it to bring him glory. There's such a power when... Um, I'm singing praises to his name because um, it's such a celebration for what Jesus has done for us. So there is just, there's such continuous joy in leading and in serving and in using this gift that he's given me. Um, there's just such power in it. And so it's been a joy. So, so this is about how you discover your spiritual gifts for Sarah. And I've learned this is true for almost all of us. One key component is trial and error. We just, we're not sure. We think maybe there's some level of ability there. Maybe it, it could be a spiritual gift. God may infuse it with power, but it's just trial and error. And so for her, there was this given time that, that she was recognizing some ability there, and someone said, well, you try it out. And, and she did. And this is important as well. 
did you hear what she said the first time she tried it? It didn't go very well, did it? She said, I just stood there and just stared at people. And so out of that, I would encourage you, if you're going to try something, try it more than once. I mean, I thank God she didn't just ditch that at that time and say, well, I tried it once, it didn't work. I know for me, the first time I was invited to teach in a very, very small setting, it was a train wreck. It was horrific. It was a legendary train wreck. It was so bad, so horrible. It was so clear. There was no giftedness there at all. And then about six months passed, and someone who hadn't heard the first train wreck mistakenly asked me to teach again. And for, I guess I was a glutton for punishment. I thought I would have another collision. And, and I taught, and somehow God showed up. God showed up in it. So in this trial and error process, part of the encouragement is don't just try it once. Give it a fair trial and error. The second thing she said is there was someone that recognized it. Others often see it. And so if you're sitting in the crowd right now thinking, I'm not sure of my gift or gifts that God's given me, a key thing to do would be to go to someone who knows you well and ask them, where do you think I might have some abilities? Where do you think I might have a spiritual gift from God? And seek out their counsel on that. Trial and error and others seeing it. She shared some key things about about using one's spiritual gift. The first was humility. And humility is in in essence, it is deep dependence upon God. That's what humility is, deep dependence upon God. There's a point in this clip where she's saying, I, I realized that it wasn't my ability doing this. I realized this was the power of God doing this. And so I began to lean into it more and more and more. In using our spiritual gift, God's intention is we will always be so aware that in the end, it's not our power, it's His And we'd be so intentional throughout the entire run of using the gift to depend upon him. When I'm trying to prepare a message, the entire run of preparation, I'm saying, God, you have to show me. You have to give me the words. You have to give me the set. You have to give me the stories to tell. You have to give it to me. On a Sunday morning, in fact, even this very moment, I'm saying, God, help me. (laughs) God, it has to be your power or nothing will change. There's this deep humility. This is true of, of the use of every spiritual gift that's used well. Secondly, there's this hard work. While it's God's power that makes the difference, God intends for us to work and develop the gift he's given us. Sarah talked about working on her vocals and trying to expand her range and developing her guitar skills and working on leadership skills. The, the intent is that we would, we would work deeply, deeply to, to uh, bring the full abilities to bear. Paul would write in Romans 12, 7, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. In other words, do it at your very best. If you're a teacher, teach well. Do it at your very, very best. So humility, hard work, and then finally, always point to God. In using a spiritual gift, always point to God. If you've been around Sarah, you know she doesn't, she's not hoping that you'll leave and think, what a great voice, or what a great worship leader. She's hoping you'll leave and say, what a great God. She's hoping you'll leave and say, I encountered God in that hour. She's hoping you'll leave and say, I worship God. I express my heart and my soul, and that's what she's hoping for. In fact, she'd be be completely happy if you didn't have who who was on stage. It's It's always pointing to God. And the Holy Spirit, this is important, the Holy Spirit most often is pointing to God the Son. The Holy Spirit is most often pointing to Jesus. In John 15, 26, Jesus would say, but I will send you the the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father, 
and will testify all about me. He's saying the Holy Spirit is going to point people to me, will tell people about me. John 14, 26, he would say, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit most often points to, to God the Son, to Jesus. Therefore, with our spiritual gifts, that's where they should most often point as well. Okay, so there's this term we use at FCC, and it may be, we may be the only church in the world that uses the term this way. The term is wheelhouse. It's a baseball term. The baseball term means if you're a batter, if the pitcher throws the ball in one certain spot, that's where you will kill it. It is the sweet spot. And the way we use it here is around the use of spiritual gifts. We say the wheelhouse is where ability and passion intersect. It's where ability, God-given ability, spiritual gift, and passion intersect. You may have a God-given ability of of worship or of, of leading small groups, but you may have a passion, you may have a passion, as some in this room do and some down the hall do, to impact children. You may not have a passion just for the, all the human race, but you may have it for children. Others have a passion to impact students, others adults, others to impact the disadvantaged people on this planet, others to impact those that are grieving, and on and on and on. Some might have this passion to make a difference around community, as this couple I talked about earlier, to, to help people experience the power and the beauty of community. Some may have a passion in this room about prayer. That's where your focus would be of your gift. Some around scripture, some around worship. Oftentimes our passions come out of our own experiences and most especially out of our own suffering. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God gave us. If you're looking for your passion, look back at, at your experiences, especially your struggles. The first 27 years of my life, I was in churches almost every single Sunday. And so, so far from God. And in almost on the verge of year 28, we were in a different church. And, and it was so clear in this church that Jesus is alive. Undeniably, undeniably clear that Jesus is alive. And over the course of time, it was in that church where, where I became a follower of Jesus. And in that time, God launched his passion in me for all churches to be that way. For every single church for it to be so undeniably clear, Jesus is alive. He is the risen Son of God. So, so do you know where your passions might lie? Do you know where they might lie? The impact. When you learn your spiritual gift, the one that God infuses with his power, and when you use it, the impact can be profound. There's a lady in this crowd She's been following Jesus for three or four years. She's grown so fast. She follows him with abandon. And her story is this. She says, my story began on a given Sunday. I, I barely wanted to go to church, which she normally did not do. She said, I had just enough want to to actually get to this campus, get to this parking lot. I pulled into a parking space, and I ran out of, I ran out of want to. I didn't have enough want to to get out of the car and come into the church. And so she said she sat there and decided, well, so I'll just back out and leave. But we have these people that, 
we called parkers to help people park their car in the lot, help direct the parking spaces. And unbeknownst to her, there was a parker standing behind her. The parker didn't realize he was blocking her way. And so he's just standing there, and she's looking back, and she's thinking, do I honk at him? That might be rude. And then she's thinking, it might be embarrassing because it's obvious I'm just skipping the service. And finally she thinks, well, what the heck? I'll just I'll walk up to the building, pretend I'm going in, then I'll sneak out, and surely he'll move by then. And so she, because of the parker, this guy helps people park cars every Sunday. And his mindset is, who knows what God might do? If I help people park cars, who knows what might happen? He's clueless what's going on. She gets into this building. Someone greets her. She gets sucked into the service. And she's in the service. And somehow God grabs her. And she comes back and back and back. In a few weeks, she gives her life to Jesus. And she's found with abandon. And the story begins with this parker that's standing behind her car. Don't, don't tell me people are just parking cars. There's some people out there with a spiritual gift to parking cars because God is infusing his power into that. I mean, that's the only way stuff like that happens. It's the only way stuff like that happens. I'll give you some more. A man caught me a while back and said, I've been attending here for two years. I've become a follower of Jesus in that time and fallen in love with him and following him, serving him. Let me tell you where my story began. I came here, one of my one-offs, once or twice a year, I came here two years ago to a service. And one of the vocalists, I thought that's the voice of an angel. Um, So profoundly, I thought, there has to be a God. And I think he's here. And I think if I will come back, maybe I can find him. And he said, I came back and came back and came back, and I found him. And, And I heard his story, and I thought, I thought, there's just this vocalist up here that's saying to God, this is my spiritual gift, and my ability isn't enough. But if you infuse it, who knows what might happen? Who knows what might happen? I was talking to a, a man in his mid to late 20s, and he was telling me his story. He said in high school, there were so many crucial decision points, some of them very precarious ones. And he said he was so prone to making the bad choices. And he said, in fact, he did make some of the bad choices, but he said, back then I was in this small group in student ministry here, and there was this man that led our small group, and, and he was so on fire for Jesus. And I uh, learned to deeply respect him. And he was guiding us and mentoring us and everything. And he said, in the course of that, um, I became a follower of Jesus as well. And in the course of that, there were all these critical decision points. And he said, candidly, I made some of the wrong decisions. But so many times as I was at a decision point, I would turn to this man and I would ask him. And I respected him so much when he would tell me what I didn't want to hear. He would say, this is what God wants. So many times I did what God wanted and I was spared so much trouble and heartache and brokenness. And now this man in his mid to late 20s, and he's thriving. And his story began with someone with a spiritual gift of leading a small group and mentoring some high school boys. I'll give you a couple more. Uh, Not long ago, a man was, uh, I was conversing with a man. He's been through a, he had at that time been through a difficult season of grief. And I asked how he was doing that day. And he said, I'm actually, I'm doing better. I received a card in the mail this week from someone here. And it wasn't just a sympathy card with the name sign. That would have been very thoughtful. But the card was covered with writing. And in the writing, 
first I felt this person knows the shoes I'm walking in. And then as I read it and reread it, I began to think, not just this person, like God knows the shoes I'm walking in. And I read it some more and I began to realize God himself is encouraging me through this note. And I did some poking around. I found this person writes notes like that quite often. And it's a spiritual gift of note writing. And this person has some sense of their words can never be enough. But when they put pen to card or pen to paper, so many times they've learned the power of God gets in that. One last one. There's um, a lady here who follows Jesus with abandon and has for some time. And her story begins with a challenging week. And in that week, there were four or five women who loved to cook and loved to bake. Which, by the way, it can be just an ability or it can be a spiritual gift. And for these four or five, it's a spiritual gift. Because her story begins with them and says those four or five women, they cooked and they baked and they brought food to the house. And that week, I didn't just see good food. I didn't just see some ladies who love me, my family. I saw the love of Jesus. And that led me to trust my life to Jesus. It's a spiritual gift. It's not just an ability. And every single one of you that follows Jesus, you have at least one. And when you use that gift, it's not your power and giftedness alone, not hardly, because it's a spiritual gift. And God says, I will infuse it with my power, and I will do far beyond what you could ever, ever do. So I found myself wondering, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are? Do you know what that gift or those gifts are? And if not, will you do the work to find out? Will you do the hard work of the trial and error? Will you do the hard work of asking some people that know you and say, what do you think? Can you make some suggestions? And then do trial and error until you know that you know that you know this is my spiritual gift or these are my spiritual gifts. Will you do that? And if you know what your spiritual gift is, are you using it profusely? Are you using it with abandon? And are you using it in deep humility? This continual dependence upon God, knowing my effort alone won't begin to touch the problem here, the need here. Deep dependence upon God is saying, God, if you don't show up, if you aren't in it, I'm depending upon you. Are you doing it with the hard work of developing that gift? Are you investing in developing that gift? Are you doing it always pointing to God, most often to Jesus Christ? Are you doing it that way? And if you know the gift and you're not using it, why? If you know the gift, you're not using it now, when will you? Paul would write to people just like you and me. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He would say, So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Everyone who follows Jesus in this room, the potential, the potential is profound. And those of you that are not yet followers of Jesus... You're one simple, profound prayer away from all of this being true of you. One simple, profound prayer. Jesus, would you forgive me and lead my life?
Father in heaven, I am so glad, so thankful that you've given us such a stunning role to play. This is a broken planet. We're all broken people. The needs are massive, far beyond human capacity to meet and solve and resolve. And yet every Christ follower, you've said, we have this major role in your plan of redemption. And you've given us these spiritual gifts where we're not left to our own ability, but you've said in these areas, in these areas, you will infuse our efforts with your power. Thank you for that, Father. Those of us that follow you, may we, if we don't know our spiritual gift, may we find what that gift is, what those gifts are. May we find out. If we know them, once we know them, may we use them profusely. May we use them extravagantly. May we expend ourselves using them. May we use them in humility. May we use them with doing the hard work of developing them. May we use it always, always, always pointing to you, especially to your son, Jesus. I pray this with much gratitude and great expectations in Jesus' name. Amen.